0: John 13. And let's go ahead and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thanks again today for your faithfulness. Thank you for being here in our midst. You're in us. You're, you're working through us. Thank you for the great things that you have done. We, we look to you today for help, for instruction, for direction. Lord, may each person receive what they need for today, for this hour, for this time. Thank you for divine instruction now in Jesus' name. amen amen Amen. uh let me just let me exhort you a little bit uh before i uh, get back into this series this message that we're in now uh and that is about making a habit of of being in the word it should be a habit for you as a believer to have the word of god in your life of course you know we do uh through the church in a formal way uh, we um, we read at least a chapter a day five days a week and you everybody is supposed to participate with that And that's a good habit. Of course, that's undiluted Unencumbered by the opinions of man And so when you read the bible straight some people get the bible on cd and listen to it in their car That's all a good idea. Amen. It's a good idea to get the word into you But Here's what the the lord, uh, I believe had uh, Stirred in my heart. This has been with me for a number of weeks. So I just want to share this with you um I want to encourage every single person who uh, belongs to this church, whether formally or you just attend, uh, to take the messages that come from the church, whether it's a Sunday morning or Wednesday night or a healing meeting or anything like that, and make sure you don't ever miss out on what's said, okay? And I say that because of this, I know that not every person is in every service, okay? Like you to be, but dealing with reality Uh, I know that sometimes people miss for good legitimate reasons and that's that's fine here's what I would encourage you to do and I'll explain to you why but uh, almost almost everything that takes place in a service as far as speaking goes there's occasions when things aren't but it gets recorded okay and because of that you have the availability either by purchasing cds or getting online and downloading mp3s for free To never miss what's being said and what God is saying here, okay? And sometimes people think, well, I'm fine, I'm good. What's the big deal if I, I miss? Not that you're just so lacking or doing so bad if you miss something. But I know this, that God speaks to people through different means, but one primary way is through the local church. It's His idea. Okay, And because of that, God will enlighten you and bring things that you need in your life through the local church. And I know by looking at studies that, you know, for the one that I've been aware of by George Barna, he said that any church in America on any given Sunday, they have 30% or more of their people gone. Okay? And I'm sure if we were to sit down and put a number... And I've done it before in the past. It's kind of, it gets more and more difficult the more we grow. But I thought, you know, how many people are gone? And it really is true. And some of it's because of our society and people travel a lot. And some of it's just carnality and, uh, and people miss. But whatever the case is, we have the opportunity. And I would just encourage you to make it a habit. If you want to burn your own CDs, good. Stick them in the car and get it. People spend all kinds of time in traffic. And uh, maybe you're listening to talk radio or music or something like that. And that's fine and good. But take 45 minutes and if you miss something, get it. Get it. I believe it'll be helpful to you. It'll also be helpful to me. (laughs) To know that even if someone has to be away for something... They're getting and they're they're staying in step with the with what God is doing here in the church. Because sometimes it's just straight teaching that's feeding feeding you spiritually. Other times it's real specific and it's direction for our body and for our church and what the Lord is saying to us now. And uh, I know this that just because something comes out real inspired and real strong, I'm not necessarily going to repeat it again the next week. Okay. And here's the other thing: certain subjects. You know, when I get ready to uh, begin to. To teach this series that we're finishing up here today, uh, I looked and, and thought, you know, I taught this subject in a different way, but I taught this subject before, and so I went back to see how long it had been. It had been four years. I thought, wow, it didn't seem like that long ago to me. But I think, okay, this is a pretty important message in the body of Christ and in the New Testament, speaking about the love of God, right? And uh, and if someone were to miss, and then you know, maybe four years later. Maybe five years later, it could be sooner, but could be longer. We come back and hit it again, someone could miss it again. Someone could go their whole life and never, never hear a message on that. And I'm telling you, they're deficient if that's the case. And so I would just want to encourage you, make it a habit. Stick things in the car. Or maybe you have different ways. People exercise and put the iPod on and, or just play things in the house. But uh, especially if things minister to you, you might want to hear it repeatedly. It'll really help you. Uh, but if you miss things, get them. We're going to make it as easy as we can for you to get them. And so get them. I believe it will help you and it will help us corporately together. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's go over here to John chapter 13. Praise the Lord. And we've been teaching this series called The Love of God for the last number of weeks. Let's read 13 verse 34. Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another by this. All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, uh, as you know, we've spoken about how God loves us, his love for us, and how many know that's really the beginning of all this? Remember 1 John 4, 4 and verse 10 talks about how it's not that we, we love God, but that he loved us and gave His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. It's not the fact that you were smart enough and you just had such a full heart of love, of love for God that you sought Him out and, and, and you cried out after Him. The reality is He loved us before we ever thought about Him. Okay, He loved you before you even existed. right? Because you existed in His mind. He knew you were coming. And He loved you. And the very fact that we're here today is just a, simply we responded. To the love of God towards us. Let's always remember that. But love does need to go another direction. We've talked about how God's love is for us. How it's been placed inside of us. How we are to let that flow out of us. And go towards other people. We've identified. Not completely. But in many aspects. uh, What the love of God looks like. How it behaves. How it acts. So we can know if we're yielding to it. Or if we're just in the flesh. And we're just acting selfishly. And living for our own purposes. Uh, But we're also now. Supposed to love God. We haven't really spoken of that too much. We are directed. To love. God. Did you know. That not everybody loves god the same not all who have received him they are saved love him equally but yet we are instructed to love him okay now when we speak of our love for god we must get back to a a clear understanding of love it's not, I just feel, mm, I feel really good about the Lord. You know, when we, when we sing, and God's presence comes in, whew, I just feel warm and fuzzy. You know, I get goosebumps and I just really have a good love for God. That's not really what we're talking about. If you feel good about the Lord, great. But love is not about a feeling. Okay? Just like I, I'm not supposed to react to you. If, if you tick me off, I need to love you anyway. Isn't that right? And, uh, and our love for God then goes beyond, well, I have a heart for God. It goes beyond, I feel good about what the Lord has done for me and, and my life for Him. The love of God is bigger. It is deeper than that. And many people confess love for God. Do you love the Lord? Yes! But their life demonstrates something contrary to that. And what does that say? It says that we don't love the Lord as much as we think we love the Lord. Or as much as we confess that we love the Lord, it's not all equal. You either love God or you don't. Well, I can see some variation in people's lives about how much they love the Lord. You mean you can see it? I can see it. And the only reason I can see it is because Jesus identified for me what the signs of love of someone loving God are, okay? And so over here in the book of John and the 14th chapter. You're there in 13, look at 14. Verse 15, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, what he's not saying here is that if you keep the commandments, you love him. If you do what he says, you love him. No, he says, if you love me, keep him. In fact, the the Amplified says, if you really love me, you will keep my commandments. In other words, the greatest demonstration of our love for God is shown through obedience. When I do what He says, that comes out of my love for Him. Not the contrary, well if I do right, then I'm going to love God. No, love Him and because you love Him, you care very much about what He says. What He wants and what He desires becomes top priority with you in your life. And that's easy for all of us to self-examine and say, Do I really love God? I mean, I sang it in the song. I mean, I know the words. And uh, I, know, I know how to uh, speak the lingo. But do I love God? That means, do I give precedent and credence to what He says above everything else? If I love Him, I do what He wants. If I love me... I do what I want. Okay. So can we see already from the top here that our love for God is measurable? And we can see how much, and we need to all be honest with ourselves, do we love God by His definition? He said, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Wow. Look down at some more. Verse 21. Jesus said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. Who loves the Lord? Those that keep his commandments. He didn't say again, if you keep the commandments, then you'll have love for God. See, you got a whole, there's a whole bunch of religious funk that gets in in people's minds and flips everything around, establishes whole religions upon doing right. You got to obey. You got to keep these rules. You got to do right. And then you love God. No, you don't. He loved you before you ever thought of Him, gave His life for you. His love was poured out. He drew us to Himself by His Spirit. We responded to that love. Say, Lord, I receive and I love you back. And because of that, everything He says now becomes important to me. Hmm? say but I'm a you know I'm an American I'm free I get to make my own choices and uh, you are you can make whatever choice you want but if you're in the kingdom of God he's king and really part of the condition I say condition once you're saved you know you are saved you're you're a change you're a child of God but when I make Jesus Lord what I'm saying is I'm now giving you the right to call the shots in my life Okay. Not only did I receive the forgiveness of my sins and eternal life, and he's not going to take that back if you disobey, but let's stay with our commitment here. Hmm? You know, kind of like, I don't know if I want to get on this. You know, kind of like marriage. Remember that commitment that people make at the altar? I mean, no, that's kind of lost some oomph these days. Make a commitment and then, man, eh, doesn't feel like it's working out. And people are real quick to just back out of their commitments. And it's no wonder some people kind of go in and out of a relationship with God. Hmm? Shouldn't be a whole lot of rededications in our lives. Are you listening? Now, if you're away from God, come back home. Okay? No condemnation. The Lord's arms, the Father's arms are wide open to receive you back if you've gotten away from Him. Okay? Not going to beat you up. But stay in this time. Stay in the house. Don't be running around in the world going in and, out, in and 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 out, having to rededicate every other month. Now, now, listen, again, if you're away from God, well, I love you. We're not going to condemn you for being away. You're back. If you have a heart to come back and you're ready, man, you're back and we're going to wrap, wrap our arms around you and God's going to wrap his arms around you, okay? So I don't want you to be like, oh, you know I better not do it. He'll know that I was out. You are where you are. All right. But once you get in, stay in. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, again, where were we? John 21. No. Verse 21. He who has my commandments, what does he do? He uh, and keeps them. It is he who loves me, and and he who loves me will be loved. "...by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him." Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, "...Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world?" Jesus answered and said to him, "...if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him." This is called the new birth. It's called being saved. "...he who does not love me does not keep my words." Who's the one who doesn't keep his words? The one that doesn't love him. Do they sometimes sing the song? I love you, Lord. Do they sing it? But do they love him? You can only tell, not by the song they sing. Not by their bumper sticker. You tell who loves the Lord by who does what the Lord says. They keep his words. He said, and the word which you heard, which you hear is not mine. But is the Father's who sent me. Okay. Now let's go on to the uh, 15th chapter. Okay. Chapter 15. And so I believe that as we show our love for God through obedience, of course He manifests in us and makes His home in us through salvation. But the more and more you and I have a, a commitment to express our love for Him through obedience, we experience Him more. He manifests in your life. When God manifests in your life, there is nothing greater. Man, there is no thing on this planet that you'd rather do than when God comes and manifests in your life. It is wonderful. I can, man, heaven is going to be so cool. Because I think it's probably that way just all the time. And, of course, you have a glorified body so you can handle it. Uh, yeah, some some may not, not understand that, but... Uh, Sometimes when God's presence is manifest on you, after a while, you are physically worn. It's like, it's good. It's like, wow. But, huh. It's just, it wears you out because we're in a body that can't handle the glory of God like that. It's one reason we have to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. So we can withstand the very magnitude of God's glory. It is such a huge rush that your body will collapse under it. Sometimes, sometimes that happens. The glory of God, the anointing of God will come on a person and they literally can't stand. It just, they collapse under the presence of God's glory. Think about being face to face with him. You think your physical body could handle that? Man, you'd be dust. You'd be plastered for maybe a millennia just laying on the ground. I can't move. It's great, but I can't move. <laughs> I don't want to leave, but I'm stuck here. See, we need a glorified body presence of god is wonderful john 15 verse 14 jesus said you are my friends if you do whatever i command you you are my friends if you do whatever i command you i think it's quite a privilege that we even have access to god i mean we've been forgiven our sins we've we've rebelled against a holy god every one of us we've done things that are wrong that are stupid and god has set a standard of perfection and he through the blood of jesus has made us perfect spiritually perfect and we can stand before him what a privilege and he goes on further and says if you do what i say i'm going to call you my friend Wow, friend not only am i just allowed in the back door which we'd be glad with he said you're my friend how do how do we get access to that through obedience we do and thank god i mean if i told you you need to do whatever i say to be my friend uh i gotta tell you that's a quite. A, that's a pretty big commitment because I'm not going to be right about everything, but the Lord Jesus is, and He's right about everything, and us obeying Him is only a benefit to us. You're my friends. John 15. Well, back same place. Just back up to the ninth verse. Jesus said, Here, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love okay he went on to say let me just keep going here these things i've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy may be full this i was going to say this at the end i got this during worship while we're 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 singing to the lord but uh this just fits right in here as well there is a great deception among those who seek to commit their lives fully And completely to the Lord. And this great deception is. Is they won't be as happy. Is that they will miss out. On many things. I remember sharing the gospel with a a friend. Years ago. Sitting with him in his house. Talking to him about uh, God's love. And forgiveness and eternal life. And all kinds of good stuff. And he sat there and he said. I know you're right. He said there's just so many things I'd have to change. And of course, you know, there's a misconception there that they have to change it. In reality, God changes a person without any effort on our part, okay? But the other thought is, man, I do this, and I like to go out and get sloshed, and and, uh, I like, you know, and, you know, sexual things and all kinds of stuff. And he knew they were all wrong. And he knew, man, I'm not going to be able to live that way if I give my life to the Lord. And he was right. He was just discounting God's power and grace to help him stand. But here's the deception, People think, I'm going to miss out if I fully live for him and serve God. And what's the opposite is true. What happens? What did he say here? These things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you. The happiest people are the ones who do everything that God says to do. They are missing out on nothing. Nothing. Missing out on zero in life. They are the happiest, most fulfilled. What do people really seek for in life as far as them personally? People simply want to be happy. I mean, most of us, if we were to choose, uh, could I have certain material possessions? Or could I have this and certain things they would think would be nice? Or happiness? We choose, man, I just I want to be happy. I'd like, <laughs> like to have the stuff. But if I can choose, I mean, I, overall, I'd like to live a happy life. I'm going to tell you how obey God, obey God, and this is the scripture I'm going to get to at the end, I think, but Jesus was anointed with the oil of gladness above his companions, and the reason was because he hated what was wrong, and he loved what was right. The people who love to obey God say, I'm going to do whatever you say, whether I feel like it's right or not, whether I'm comfortable with it, whether it goes against my grain. I'm going to do what the Lord says. They're the happiest people around, and that's God's word to you. You've got his word on it. So I'm just not feeling, I'm kind of sad and kind of depressed, and make God's word important to you. And you get some anointing oil. What's it called? Happy. Yay! <laughs> you know how some people, people, you say, oh, did they take the ugly pill today? And, you know, maybe they took a depression pill or something like this. How about the happy pill? <laughs> and it's no kind of drug. It's no kind of temporary high. It's the oil of gladness. It's God himself manifests. Come on now. People people have a misunderstanding of God all day long. They think he's stiff and stoic and he's... Uh, just kind of got a straight look on his face all the time and and uh, praise the lord i was i do things in the first service that i don't do in the second service i'm thinking but uh you know i was thinking about this morning uh, when i got dressed and uh and i put my clothes on i was i got wearing these clothes and i asked amy everything everything look okay and uh and she she said you look uh you look very clerical. <laughs> and she wasn't putting it down, so don't laugh too hard. And <laughs> and uh, and I th- and I said that's not the, really the way I want to look. And so and I looked at it and I you know I, this is just like a sweater, you know, with the collar here and everything. So I thought you know I could fix this up. <laughs> and so I this morning I went in my office and I made something even special for it. <laughs> So <laughs> now I look even more clerical, right? It's not really the look I' I'm, I'm desiring, but what do you think you think I should do this from now on?
1: Yes? yes.
0: yes? <laughs> Nothing wrong with those who do wear the little collar. But again, I think sometimes uh, people have an idea of God of stiff. You know, and everything's just, can you picture God on the throne? He's just, you know, making decisions, making declarations, answering prayers, and and doing all these things. I don't really think that's what it's going to be like at all. The psalmist said, he who sits in the heavens laughs. I think it'd be more accurate to imagine the Lord busting a gut laughing and everything around rumbles the whole hall of heaven shakes ah god's happy (laughs) god's laughing again amen he's a happy guy not sad not depressed amen so where were we happy are there any benefits to loving god more it's well established that some love God more than others and we, we're not here to judge each other but we're just, just to look at our own lives and say okay I say I love God is it demonstrated? Do I really love God to the degree that I want to that I'm supposed to that I think I do it's demonstrated through our obedience to God and how, much are, how serious are we taking what He says and how serious are we taking well this is what I want this is my desire this is what I feel like doing well I love me then and sometimes I've got to admit I love me more than Him because when I love him, I care about what he says more than anything. Psalm 91 says, in verse 14, said, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. Yeah, there are perks to setting your love upon God. You get deliverance. Yay. And, uh, and this is interesting to me, though. It says, uh, because he set his love upon him. In other words, that's a choice that I make. I can, I can set my love upon him, the Lord or I can set my love upon something else. What am I setting my love upon? Okay, you remember uh, in, uh, in Jesus' ministry one time he got to preaching real good one day and, uh, and, and, and talking about how if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood you can't have anything to do with me. Remember that sermon? And all the people around went, ew. And a lot of them took offense. And they didn't know the spiritual comparisons he's making, and, and uh, they just said, like, that is weird, and I'm out of here. And a bunch of people left, and, uh, and he looked at his disciples. He said, you guys leaving too? And uh, they said, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the words. And that's, that's the right answer. I tell you what, that, that is the answer that we need to be given. You know, where are we going to go? You are my life. You have the words of eternal life. Let's measure eternal value compared to everything else that we feel like is important to us. There is nothing that compares. And the one who has all the power and all the glory and holds the future loves you. And when he says to do something or go here or say this or whatever it is that he says, even if it seems like the most difficult thing in the world to you, he loves you. That says it all right there. It's going to be all right. And it's going to, what comes with obedience? It's a little bit of joy juice, right? (laughs) Oil of gladness. Come on, it's going to be happy. You're going to be happy. You're going to be fulfilled in your obedience to the Lord. Look with me at Luke chapter 7. Luke, the 7th chapter. Why do some people love God more than other people? Well, let me give you a couple reasons here. This one's in Luke 7. Luke 7, verse 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flax of fragrant oil. Notice what she didn't do. She didn't say, I'm getting out of here. There's Jesus, and I'm a sinner. I'm doing wrong. I've got to get away from him because those, those uh, Christians, uh, they just condemn you. The reputation of a someone who lives for the Lord, has Jesus in their life, ought to be one of mercy and compassion. But she brought this alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. That's the religious response. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I've got something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you... Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Who loves God the most? Those who have been forgiven the most. And then we might come to this uh, line of thinking... Well, what can I do about that? Do I need to go back into the world and sin a bunch? Really mess my life up so that when I come back, I'll love God more? Here's what we need to understand. That whether someone has lived a horrible life, and they... They stabbed people in the back all their days, lied every chance they got, cheated every opportunity they could. They were the most immoral people for decade after decade, just a rank sinner doing it well, rebelling against God as much as they could. And then at the end of their life, they cry out to the Lord and say, have mercy on me. I've received Jesus and his, what he did for me. They're saved, right? Were they forgiven a lot? Yeah. Okay. What about uh, Joe Upright, <laughs> Mister Morrill, Lives his life. Never doesn't doesn't lie, cheat, or steal. Takes care of his body. Takes care of people around him. Is a generous person. Uh, you know, helps in the community. Has good upstanding reputation in the community. But throughout his life, he he doesn't receive the Lord. He thinks. I don't need that. What's the big deal? My life's going fine anyway. You know, he's putting in good practices, so he's reaping some of the benefits of of living right and not making a whole lot of mistakes. And so uh, he's living his life, but finally towards the end of his life, he realizes that he's not perfect. He realizes that uh, he does need a Savior, and so he gives his life to the Lord. Has he been forgiven much? You see, both people avoided an eternity in hell separated from God. Both of them did. Both of them go to the same heaven. Just one of those, by the way. As far as as far as a habitable place that we go. There's there are three heavens, but it's the atmospheric heaven, the stellar heavens, and then there's the throne of God. Heaven. Heaven. They both avoided separation from God, they both went to the same heaven. Here's the difference I see. Why did the woman love him more? Because she had been forgiven more. But if we all understand this, it was what she was conscious of. She knew she had lived a horrible life and the Lord had forgiven her. But whether you've lived pretty good or whether you've lived a raunchy life, You've still been redeemed from the same hell and the same sin. It still took the very blood of Jesus to get you out of the predicament you're in. And so the goal for every person who says, man, I don't love the Lord, I guess, as much as some people do that I've witnessed. You need a revelation of what you've been saved from. And your prayer to God would be, show me, help me to understand how much you delivered me from the life that I, that I was, you know, I was a rank sinner. I was separated from you. Even if you got saved as a child, you, you came to the point where your sin manifest in your life. And you knew that you fell short of the glory of God. And I want to tell you, spiritually, you are ugly, man. You are dark. You were sinful of rebellion. It was contrary to God in every way. From a spiritual, accurate perspective... It was horrible. God saved you from a lot, even if you were five. Okay, and this understanding, what does it do? The more you are aware of what God has done for you, the more it will spring out of you to be glad and to be thankful and to love Him. How was that then expressed? Well, it seemed this guy who didn't have a whole lot to be forgiven of, Jesus came into his house. He said, hey, why don't you pull up the chair? Glad to have you here. The woman came in. She was aware of what she'd been forgiven of. And it prompted and motivated her to serve him. She wanted to do something for him. She was so glad, so filled with love. She was motivated to do something for the Lord. And i got to stay with this. I'm thinking today, our love for God is still revealed by our service to Him, which is love outpoured. Our love for Him is expressed through, what can I do for you? And sometimes that's, what can I do for another person in the the body? But it's a manifestation of love, which is serving God. We kind of already talked about that to some degree. But it's our love for God that causes us to do that. Why do some love more? They've been forgiven more, but let me say it this way, they know about it. They're consciously aware of the condition they were and what God has done for them in forgiving them. Here's another reason why some love Him more. They know Him more. And this is a reality. God is so amazing and so good. And the more you get around Him and see Him in truth, you're going to fall in love with Him. (laughs) You're going to be so much more in love with Him. People don't love God to this deg- to a, the proper degree because they don't see Him in truth. They see a religious picture of Him. They see a false, have seen a false representation of who God really is. And so they think loving God, it's kind of, and they're loving something that's not even Him. And so there's no motivation there to love Him more. The more you know Him, the more you get around Him, the more you'll be drawn to Him. Here's another reason. Why do some people love him more? Because they choose to. Any single one of us, any time in our life, we have a choice to make. And we can say, without feeling, without emotion. I mean, thank God for when emotions are high, but this is not really based on that. But we can make a quality decision and choice and say, you know what? I'm going to love God. I'm going to make him the sole place That I set my love upon. I can like other things. You know. I can like pizza. And golf. And different things. Other people. But I'm reserving a special place in my life. It's the very top shelf. Nothing comes above it. Nothing really is even close to it. And I'm going to set this place aside in my heart. And I'm going to love God all the days of my life. Period. That's a decision we should all make. And we just say, why do you love God so much? I chose to. I chose to. He did so much for me, and He is so good. I've just decided, I'm just going to love Him. I'm just going to put Him first. I'm going to not set my affection and love upon natural things that are temporary and really suck the life out of me, but I'm going to set my affection on Him because He is so good. Oh, it's a good choice. It's a good decision. Amen. So, uh, go with me to 1 John Let's, let's start to finish up here. First John chapter 2. Ultimately, how much we love God is our choice. We choose to set our love upon Him or upon something else. If I am going to love God and do what He says, walk closely with Him, I must understand the principle of agreement. Remember Amos 3, can two walk together? Unless they're agreed, the answer to that is no. You cannot walk with someone with whom you don't have agreement with. And I cannot walk with the Lord unless I agree with Him. Okay? And when I say I agree with Him, I agree to make Him right. I agree to make what He says uh, more important than what I think. Okay? And don't fall into the trap where you're quick to say about people that you disagree with them. Maybe someone teaching the word. Maybe uh, someone's preaching out of the Bible and, and they make some strong statements and you're quick to jump and say, oh, I don't agree with that. I would encourage you to hold off. Take, go real slow when, when thinking like that. Because what many people have done, they've disagreed with God. And they thought they were just disagreeing with a person. They thought, oh, that's wrong. And later they realized, oh, they were right. I was wrong. It's always just makes a whole lot of sense to move slow. If I've said some things here today and and you're thinking, "Eh, I don't think I agree with that guy. Well, fine. My feelings are not hurt. But I'd I'd encourage you to not be quick to say that. Because although I am fallible and I don't know everything, I might be right. And here's the other thing, it might be God speaking through me. I'm just one of many people, he'll speak through any of us if we'll let him, okay? And God uses people all the time to speak through, and so I can't be quick to say, oh, I don't don't agree with that. Well, I don't like the way you said it. Well, fine, but if it was God, get get over me, because that's just me, it's my personality, it's what's... You know, it's how I speak. It's what's funny to me, and I, you know, that's just the way I am. You're you, I'm me, and get over it. What is God saying? Okay, that's ultimately what's important in all of our lives. If we love Him, we're listening for His voice in the middle of every conversation. Okay, and a friend a friend of mine was telling me just just yesterday. Well, he's a pastor in Texas, and and uh, he said some couple of guys from his church they. Uh, uh, one of them said to the other day, we we're driving past a Walmart. They said, "Let's go in there. Let's go into Walmart and and uh, let's just pay attention to see if the Lord would direct us to anyone. See if He wants us to. If there's anyone, we could, we could see and the Lord would direct us and we'll both look and and just check on the inside. And that's a good idea to always live that way. I'm not only listening here. I'm listening here. And they went they went in and they. And uh, they were they were doing some things. They had to buy some things, and they they were listening. They're looking. There's a lot of people around them, but they're listening. Maybe there's someone the Lord wants us to help. And they were in the in the checkout stand there, and there was a woman who was uh, in a wheelchair. And both of them looked at each other, and they knew. Not just because of that. It could have been someone out of it, but that was the situation. And and they, uh, you know, it's, it's easy right then just to close your eyes and say, Lord, anyone, show me. <laughs> If there's anyone, <laughs> I'll just do whatever you want me to do, Laura. <laughs> Meanwhile, they already knew, and so uh, and and so they would. They just started speaking to this, Actually, they went up to this woman, and said, "Hi, how you doing?" And uh, because of the way they said it, she thought she knew them, <laughs> and, and she said, "Oh, hi! I haven't seen you for a while." <laughs> and they they uh, they talked to her and they said, "Actually, you've never seen us." <laughs> and they said, "Oh, okay." And and uh, they she had a she was a nice lady. They had a discussion. They said, "We just saw you there and we felt like we it would be we we should pray for you. Would that be all right if we prayed for you?" And she, and you know, and she said, "Yes, that that would be fine." And they said, "We noticed you were in the in a in the wheelchair and and they she described her condition. It was some deal with her legs and knees and I don't remember all the details right now, but anyway, they prayed for her. And they stopped, and, they, and and after they prayed for her, and, and they asked her, well, well, how would you know if you're healed? And she said, well, I guess I'd have to, I can't walk, so I'd have to walk. I'd have to get up and walk. So they said, okay. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> and just right there in Walmart, got healed. Praise the Lord. Why, why did they, how did that happen? They were listening. They were listening. Listening to the Lord on the inside is let let him direct. Don't be listening for a booming voice. It's seldom that God speaks with a big vo- voice that, Whoa, what was that? <laughs> no, it's on the inside, and he'll prompt you, and he'll direct you, and that's how you get involved with miracles. Remember remember Mary's uh, Mary when she said to the servants at the wedding at Cana, and she said, Whatever he says to you, do it. That's the key. Whatever he says, do it. And that's the answer. Praise God. Now, we have to walk in agreement with the Lord. That's how I got off on that little trail there. In loving God, we must love what He loves and we must hate what He hates. Is hate a part of the love life? It really is. Some, some are glad about that. It's been bottled up. I've just really been needing to hate something. You can. You can hate what God hates. And that really is loving God. Let me give you this scripture real quick. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If I want to love God, here's His instructions. He said, don't love, some, don't love something else. Don't love the world or the things in the world. Okay. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. What do I need to avoid? Loving the world and things in the world. That's the Greek word, cosmos, there, okay? We even get the word word cosmopolitan. And uh, what it's talking about, it's not not talking about uh, the English word, rather. Uh, It's not talking about people in the world. Are we to love people in the world? God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. We are to love people whether they're in the worst kind of sin you can imagine. We love them anyway, right? And and the Lord loves them. But what we're to avoid is uh, loving the things in the world that are contrary to the very nature of God. There's a lot out there. We won't go into a whole lot of uh, uh, examples of that. But that word cosmos means primary order, arrangement. It even means adornment or an ornament. It's something that's on the outside. It's it's how people, uh, you can even look at a person how they adorn themselves, okay? And there are certain things in the world how it's adorned. How we are we are not to be in love with that and give that place in our lives. Jesus hated sin and loved what is right. This is a scripture I I kind of gave to you earlier, for Hebrews one nine. Hebrews one nine. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. How do we love God? Well, one way is we hate sin. We hate lawlessness. Someone said, but you know, I'd like to. That's good in theory, but I'm struggling with this area, and I have this desire to for this particular sin, and it could be a drug thing, could be a sexual thing, could be all kinds of stuff, and said... You know, I, love, I hate it in theory, but I really kind of like it because it makes me feel good. Well, that's a bondage in your life. It's, it's, it's something that's got a hold of you. Here would be a good step to getting free from it. You make a decision and say, I hate it. And when you think about it, you say, I hate that. I hate it. I despise it. I love God. I love what's right. I always do what pleases Him. And I hate this. And your mind will say, no, you don't. You like it. That's why you, that's why you do that. That's why you get involved with that, because you really like it. You're making a quality decision to say, I hate it. I'm dead to that. That's another message separate from sin. I'm dead to that. I'm not going to participate in that, but I hate it. If you need to say it a thousand times, go ahead. Build it into your consciousness. Don't let yourself say, I like to live this way. I like to do this. No, if it's wrong, if it's contrary to God, I hate it. And I love doing what's right. What do you get? Oil. Oil oil of gladness poured out oh you'd be the happiest camper in the uh, in the mountain <laughs> amen first corinthians thirteen six says do not rejoice in iniquity it, so you get of love it doesn't rejoice in iniquity but rejoices in truth that's the love of god that's the attitude that we have that's how we can say, I love God. And there's some gusto behind it that's really motivating it. It's our, obe- it's our desire to obey and to be like Him. Amen. Father, thank You now for everything that You have said to us. Every word that You have spoken. Lord, help us to recognize what is of You in our lives. What is not of You. What thinking needs to be adjusted and changed. Lord, we do honor you. We set our affection on you. We set our love upon you now. And we choose what is right and what is life-giving and what is helpful. And we choose to go against. We choose to hate, to despise what is wrong, what is sinful. Thank you for your grace that helps us in the middle of this. Oh, you're faithful to us in every way. Lord, help us all to walk in this every single day of our lives. We give you praise. Father, for those here today that have never received forgiveness of their sins, they've never received eternal life.